Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast. Making Theology Central. Good evening. Good evening, everyone. It is Saturday, April the 8th, 2023. It is currently 7.28 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central Studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Let me ask you a question. Prayer. Whenever you discuss prayer, whenever you think about prayer, whenever you hear sermons about prayer, Do you walk away from those sermons about prayer encouraged? Do you walk away from those sermons about prayer excited? Do you walk away from those sermons about prayer? You can't wait to start praying more. You, you're just, you just, you almost walk away with a greater appreciation for prayer, a greater love for prayer. Or when you hear sermons about prayer, do you have a tendency to walk away from those sermons on prayer feeling discouraged, depressed, guilty, humiliated, embarrassed. You get, you, you just, you're done. You give up. You're, you're just, you're just, you're like, whatever, whatever, whatever the case may be. Just, you're just done. I, we have talked about a little bit here on this podcast, that famous book, um, on the complete works on prayer by E.M. Bounds. It's like, you know, considered the Bible of, on prayer and for, for many Christians. And I remember reading E.M. Bounds, uh, The Complete Work on Prayer. And I and I was a teenager, a relatively new Christian. And sometimes I would read it and, and, you know, on one hand, it makes you sound like, you know, if you pray, you pray the right way, you pray with the right passion and the right zeal. Basically, you're going to get, you know, it almost sounded like at least it gave the impression you're going to basically get anything you pray for, right? And I, of course, as a teenager, I'm like, I'm going to pray about this and this and this and this. But I, I started realizing that basically, like, you know, I need to be praying like, I don't know, 15 hours a day. I need to basically go without food for six months and pray more. I mean, it was just like, you know, you, you, you pray, you pray, and you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. And then there was a lot of, hey, hey, if you're not praying enough and you're not praying the right way, basically the world is going to come crumbling down and it's going to be your fault. You know, people are going to die and go to hell because you're not praying enough and, and the church is going to burn to the ground because, okay, maybe a little bit of hyperbole, but you get the idea. And so a lot of times when I would read books on prayer, I would walk away almost sometimes with this sense of, I'm going to do it. I'm, and then I would be, you know, four months, five months, six days into it. I'd be like, Oh, I don't do this. I don't do this. I don't do this. I don't do this. So, so in some cases, prayer, 
I never was encouraged, I think, on sermons about prayer. I was always discouraged, maybe slightly motivated to try harder, and then realize it just always led to guilt and shame and failure, discouragement, and depression. That's at least how I've always felt about sermons on prayer. How much do you, you know, if you really love God, I mean, tell me if you've ever heard this in a sermon. If you really love someone, you will communicate with them. Because if you're not communicating, there's something wrong in that relationship. There's something wrong with your claim to love them. Because if you love them, you'll want to communicate with them all the time, right? Remember when you were dating and how much you would communicate with your girlfriend or your boyfriend, whether it was text, whether it was the phone, whether it was a letter, how you would drive, you know, you would drive 500 miles just to say hi to them because you love them and you're excited about them. Well, if you truly love God, you will communicate with him. You'll be praying without ceasing. You'll be praying and praying and praying. And pray. And so it sounds like a good sermon, but then you're like, man, I don't know if I really pray that way. I don't know if I really pray that way. I don't know if I really pray that way. Now, I ask, I bring a lot of this up because earlier today, I was sitting here in the studio and I noticed uh, someone emailed me a while back. I don't even remember who emailed me. We, I don't know if you remember, we reviewed a sermon called Dr. Law and Dr. Grace, Dr. Law and Dr. Grace by the late Lester Roloff. Right. Famous kind of very famous pastor, especially in the independent fundamental Baptist world. And someone emailed me going, Hey, guess who's on the sermons 2.0, sermons 2.0 app now? Lester Roloff and his ministry, they brought all of their content over to the Sermons 2.0 app. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. I mean, because I've listened to Lester Roloff for years. I mean, he's obviously passed now. But, you know, his, his, uh, on some Christian, a very, con- very, 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 very conservative Christian radio stations, they still air his, his messages. It was called the Family Altar Program with Lester Roloff. And I think they were about 15 minutes long. And I, and there were always edited parts of his sermons. And I would listen to it. Uh, I know it came on on Saturdays. Uh, in Nebraska, and I would listen to it sometimes driving to the Bible Institute. Uh, then it came on different radio stations that I would pick up different ways. So I've listened to it. I don't know, I never always agreed with his theology, but I'm very familiar with so many of his programs. So the fact that it's on the Sermons 2.0 app, I'm like, well, just, you know, let's follow that and let's just start working through them. Like, like I'm gonna, I may, I may go, go all the way back to the first one and just try to listen to all of them. Then I can say I've heard every sermon that's available on the Sermons 2.0 app from Lester Roloff, all right? I don't know what that accomplishes. I don't know if I get a medal. I don't know if I get a reward, but it, whatever the case may be, it'll just be something fun for me to do because I've heard so much of his teaching and it would, it wouldn't, I won't say it happened all the time, but it wasn't too uncommon for my pastor in Nebraska to stand behind the pulpit going, you know, I heard Lester Roloff say this and, and it really sparked these ideas. And so he would let, let you know that his sermon was, inspired by something her, he heard. Uh, doc, I, I don't know if we call him Dr. Uh, I don't think we call him Dr. Lester Roloff. I don't think he had a doctorate's degree. Lester Roloff, Pastor Lester Roloff, Brother Lester Roloff. I don't know the his exact title, but so I've been, I've heard his name and heard his preaching a lot. And of course, I'm very, very familiar with his famous sermon, Dr. Law and Dr. Grace, which we reviewed. And as much as he's a great storyteller, as much as it was intriguing before it was over, it was an obliteration of the proper distinction between law and gospel, no matter how famous and beloved the sermon may be. So today, as I was saying, I was sitting here in the studio and I'm like, oh, pray without ceasing. 
Lester Roloff, it's like the newest message that they've added from Lester Roloff on Sermons 2.0 app, who, his ministry, whoever's uploading the messages. And I'm like, you know what? I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to hit play. I hit play. The, the intro comes in, the intro goes out, and then he starts talking about prayer. And then he makes this comment about prayer. This comment about prayer and mothers. Prayer and mothers. I want you to hear it. I mainly want you to give me your thoughts about it. Are you familiar? And one, I, I think I think this is problematic, no matter how you look at it, from whatever theological perspective you look at it, I think it's problematic. You may think it's the greatest thing ever, and you may be like, amen, and that's perfectly okay. You can email me and tell me that you think it's the greatest comment ever on prayer. I I, I was, I don't know. I, I, I All I can say, I don't want to give away too much. Let's just say I definitely wasn't in agreement. In fact, I hit play immediately stopped and it went downstairs to find anyone I could find to go. You're not going to believe what I just heard. I was like, look, you know, walking around the neighborhood, knocking on doors. Hey, can I tell you what I just heard on the Lester Roloff? And they're like, what do you get, get off my door? Go away, go away. No, I need to tell someone I'm looking for cats, dogs, anyone, anyone. Hey, what do you think about this? And well, basically no one cared, but maybe you'll care, right? So you can blame my neighbors for nobody acting like they cared. So I'm going to tell you. So are you ready? Here we go. This is what I heard. Uh, you can find this on the Sermons 2.0 app. Just type in prayer without ceasing, Lester Roloff, R-O-L-O-F-F. And please, uh, you know, listen to the whole thing. We're only going to review just a little bit of this. And uh, I, yeah, you, you just, I, I think you're going to know it when you hear it. Just listen to when he talks about mothers and prayer. <laughs> if you're a mother, this would have to make you feel so guilty, so guilty. But what happens when us as pastors heap guilt upon people that may not actually be coming from a correct teaching? In other words, if I, if I make you feel guilty, but it's not a scriptural guilt, that's not a good thing, is it? Do you think this is a scriptural guilt that he's about to heap upon mothers all across the, the world? I, you tell me. Here we go. It's time to open the word once again with evangelist Lester Roloff on the Family Altar Program. Glory for all is changed when Jesus comes. To stay. First Thessalonians five seventeen. Pray without ceasing. Uh, back in the Bible days, uh, the preachers and prophets were known for having power in prayer. I mean, that was their main job was to pray uh, for people. And so there was an old prophet. I call him God's oil man because the Lord gave him an answer to prayer. And you know, it's not unusual that praying mothers give birth to praying children. When mothers cease to pray, their children cease to live for Christ. Did you hear that? Do I need to back? I'm going to back that up just a little bit. You got to hear that. All right. 
he makes a couple of big claims here. He makes a couple of big claims here, right? That praying, it sounds like, and, and I'm, I don't want to misquote this here, so we'll, we'll play it again so we can write the quote down. You may want to write down the entire quote, but it's something along the lines, I think his first claim is praying mothers give birth to praying children. But if a mother stops praying, her child basically stops living for God, meaning the, the child's entire spirit, spirituality is dependent upon the mother's praying. Like, I've got some serious theological issues here. Let's play it again to make sure that I've got the quote down right. I, I should have written it down earlier, but I didn't. So we'll listen to this again. We, we may listen to it three or four times. Let's get this down. I want you to get this down. All right, here we go. I mean, that was their main job, was to pray uh, for people. And so there was an old prophet, I call him God's oil man, because the Lord uh, gave him an answer to prayer. And you know, it's not unusual that praying mothers give birth to praying children. When mothers cease to pray, their children cease to live for Christ. You put that down. When dads and mothers go in the wrong direction, it's hard to keep the children from going in that same direction. And so they came one day to this dear old prophet and said, uh, Now he immediately moves on. Now he does throw, he throws in fathers there and, uh, you know, after that if fathers and mothers are going the wrong way, it's hard for the children to go uh, the right way. But just take that all apart. It's not unusual. So he, he does say it's not unusual, but that meaning, he, meaning this is more common that a praying mother gives birth to a praying child. Now, I, I don't know. It, it, so, so if you're a praying mother, you're going, you, you, what, what are you guaranteeing that you're going to have a praying child? You're going to be, it's going to be more likely now, there's a lot of issues here. Let's just take this first part. Does a, does a mother's prayer determine the spiritual outcome, the spiritual nature, the spiritual tendencies of their children? Now, when they're young, yeah, they'll mimic. If your mom's praying all the time, they'll mimic it. They'll pray all the time. They'll go through all of those because that's just what they know. They grow up in a home where everyone's praying. They're going to be like, let's pray, let's pray, let's pray, let's pray, let's pray. But that is no guarantee theologically where that child is going to turn out spiritually. And let me explain why. Now, let's go. We've got two views within church history of salvation, right? We've got a very free will idea of salvation within church history, right? That, hey, your will is absolutely free. The gospel is presented to you and you have complete and utter freedom to choose it or not choose it. So, so if I, if the mother is praying, are you saying that's going to guarantee the child's salvation? Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, because Wait, if you're praying, does that mean God's going to violate the will of the child? Does that mean God is going to mold the will the will of the child? Does that mean God is going to interfere with the will of the child to bring them to salvation? Like, if you believe in strong free will, then why do you pray for God? Like, God, yeah, I've heard people say, break their will, break them, break. Wait a minute. That, that would be violating their free will. So do you believe in free will? If it's free will, then 
How can God interfere with their free will if he's giving them free will? Now, that's one view of salvation is a very free will. The other is obviously the sovereignty of God, that salvation is all the work of God. It's a monergistic work of God. Well, then God, either before the foundations of the world, chose them unto salvation or he did not. So then your prayers would have no effect. So either you you believe that free will, but you don't care about their free will when it comes to salvation. You want God to override their free will, to mold their will, to change their will. Well, wait a minute. That means their will's not free. You want God to override their free will to bring them to salvation. So you can't say you believe in free will. So, but I know this, that you, a mom can pray and pray and pray and pray and pray, and that doesn't guarantee the child's salvation. I'm not saying a mother shouldn't pray, but I, 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 I already have a problem. But then that next part's what really got me. If a mom ceases to pray, the child will cease to live for God. So a child living for God. Now, living for God would seem to indicate salvation. So now here's a child who's saved living for God, but they will stop the minute the mom stops praying for them. That raises all kinds of theological issues. I'm going to back this up just a little bit. Let's listen to this all again. Praying mothers. All right, hang on. We're going to back this up a little bit more, just a little bit more. I mean, I'm right there. Okay, here we go. Gave him an answer to prayer. And you know, it's not unusual that praying mothers give birth to praying children. When mothers cease to pray, their children cease to live for Christ. See, when a mother ceases to pray, their child ceases to live for Christ, meaning the child is living for Christ. The mom stops praying. They stop living for Christ. So so the, the child's spiritual security is determined. Maybe the child's still going to go to heaven, but the child's spiritual victory, the child's spiritual success is completely dependent upon the prayer of the mother. I mean, would that not just heap... All kinds of get like, so you're sitting in church and you're like, well, now I know why, now I know why, you know, Susie's parents or Susie's kids aren't living for God. I know why she's obviously not praying enough for them. Oh, over there, there's, there's, there's Karen. I know why Karen's kids aren't living for God. She's not praying enough. Oh, 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 there's, there's Beth over there. I know, I know why Beth's kids are not living for God. She's not praying. I mean, doesn't that just like, that blames the parent a hundred percent for it. Again, and where did, where does free will come into play? So I, I don't know. What do you, what do you feel about this? Do you think there's some truth to, look, a parent should pray. I'm, by all means, they should. I'm, I'm by no means dismissing or diminishing or denying prayer. Obviously, I believe that as a parent, um, demonstrates prayer and Bible study and church to their kids, you're showing them and demonstrating to them the importance 
of it, right? And obviously there'll be a period in the child's life where you're going to be like, you're going to be so excited. I love seeing young parents with their children. I love seeing young Christian parents with their children, right? They teach the, the kids, say, you know, a, a couple of questions from the, from the creed, you know, what is the chief end of man to glorify God and enjoy him forever? And the kid can repeat it. And they teach him maybe things from the Heidelberg catechism, or they teach him from the apostles creed and the kid, you know, I believe in God almighty creator of heaven and earth. You know, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, you know, you know, uh, born of the Virgin Mary, crucified under Pontius Pilate. They can quote parts of the, the Apostles' Creed, or they can memorize some scripture, or they've got 37 Awana badges, whatever the case may be, right? And, and the parents are like, you can just see them beam with pride, right? My kid knows this stuff. And my, and, and my kid, and, and, and many times it's pastors who have young children who will say, you know, oh, my child asked this great theological question. And, and, and it's always those young couples with children. Oh man, they're, they're the best to be around because they're, they're so like, my child's going to live for God. My child's going to do this because the children at that young age, they go along with mom and dad. I mean, you're their hero. You're the greatest thing that's ever, you, you walk on water. You're, you're it. I mean, if you say, talk about God, then they want to talk about God because they want to please mom and dad, right? I mean, obviously they've got their times of dis, disobedience and rebellion because they're a child, but you, you, you know, you know what I'm talking about. And then, and then. The child turns 14, 15, 16, 17, and now they don't get, they don't, they don't care at all about the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, the Athanasian Creed, the Westminster Confession, the larger, shorter catechism, Luther's Catechism, the Heidelberg Catechism, or any other catechism. They don't care. They hate church. They hate, I mean, and in, in many cases, they walk, now I'm not saying in every single case, but in many cases, they walk completely away. Now, some people will put the blame on the parent because they'll like, well, you know, if you raise a child in the way they should go, they will not depart when they get older. You know, that's always gets quoted. Now, they won't depart from it in the sense that it's always going to stick with them. Right? It's they're always going to have that morality inside of them, and then they're going to know about it, and they're going to sometimes feel guilt from it. But clearly, if you believe salvation, like if salvation is based off free will, well, then clearly. They can freely choose to go against it. And if it believe, and if you believe it comes from the sovereign work of God, well, God has to do the work. Again, there's always that period of time. So I can imagine a mother with a young child going, okay, okay, I got to pray. I got to pray. I got to pray. And it's going to, and, and there'll be a brief period of time when that little child wants to pray. They're going to see, see, it's working. I've given birth to a praying child and you're going to be all excited. And you're going to be wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. They'll make a profession of faith, maybe when they're very little, especially if the church is very strong on child evangelism. You can get children to say a prayer relatively early on. I mean, you just tell the child, do you want, do you love Jesus? Jesus died for you. Do you want to go to hell? There's not a lot of children will be like, nope, I don't want to, I, I, I don't want to go to heaven. I want to go to hell. They'll, they'll be like, I, you know, I believe in Jesus and mom and dad believes in Jesus. They go through it. And then the mom's like, I'm going to pray for them, pray for them. And you're going to see that initial, you know, looking like, they're following along and the mom's going to be so happy. And then all of a sudden, when things start going wrong, what does the mom do? I didn't pray enough. I didn't pray enough. She's going to blame herself. I mean, think about that. I mean, I, I don't know how, how old your children are now. I don't know. 
Now, if you if you got young children, you'll be the one who'll email me going, absolutely not. My children are going to be they're going to be they're going to be raised in the fear and admonition of the Lord. They will not depart. I don't care what you say. You, you call me in twenty years. Contact me in 15 years. I'm just telling you, I've watched this play out a million times over. And sometimes there's no rhyme or reason. You'll have one child, you have, especially large families, you see this. You have large families. They're all raised under the same fear and admonition of the Lord, the same teaching, the same everything. And you'll have maybe three that go complete, just abandon it completely, like abandon it outright, maybe even hostile to it. And then you'll have one and you'll be like, well, why did the, well, I believe because salvation is a work of God. It's not a work of man. But I, I digress. We could, we could get into that all day. But the thing is, I don't, I, 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 at that point, I would hate for a mom to go, I didn't pray enough. I didn't pray enough. I didn't pray. Because think about it. I mean, if we take it to a logical conclusion, think how this would work. So if a mom ceases to pray, her children will cease to live for God. Well, by that logic, if a pastor's not praying enough, then there, then the the sin and the failure in the church members, it's the pastor's fault. Wait, if the people in the pew are praying enough for the pastor, so if the pastor fails, is it the people didn't pray enough for their pastor? Like as a pastor, could I be like, well, guys, you weren't praying enough for me. And the people could be like, well, hey, pastor, you weren't praying enough for me. And your kids could be like, well, you weren't praying enough for me. It preaches good. I mean, that that's going to get people to the altar. That's going to have some moms feeling guilty. But is that a biblical, a biblical concept? Obviously, we see prayer. We can see examples of answered prayer. But I'm going to back this up a little bit. Let's listen to it one more time. It's not unusual that praying mothers give birth to praying children. When mothers cease to pray, their children cease to live for Christ. You put that down. When dads and mothers go in the wrong direction, it's hard to keep the children from going in that same direction. And so they came one day to this dear old prophet and said, uh, don't quit praying for us. You know what he said? God forbid that I should sin in ceasing to pray for you. If you have been a prayer warrior and because of sin and negligence have ceased to pray, the Bible says, and the great prophet of the Old Testament says, you're living in sin. Now, if you were a prayer warrior and you stopped praying, you're living in sin. So how much praying does one have to do to ensure they're not living in sin? Is one hour a day sufficient? Is two hours a day, three hours a day, four hours a day, five hours a day, six hours a day? I mean, I mean again, guilt, guilt. All the emergencies that we are the world or church and homes of every place. We face it now. It's too great for us. I want you to enter into the service this morning and uh, let your heart be challenged uh, to really 
be a person of prayer. I have never read a great deal of poetry or a lot of books. I guess I should have read them. I read some uh, cowboy stories when I was a boy. If I could find a book written by Zane Gray, Trail of the Western Pine or something else, I mean, I'd get after that. I didn't read uh, a lot of the good things that I ought to have read. But in the beginning year of my ministry, I suppose one of the greatest statements that I've ever gained and that I've never forgotten had to do with prayer. And it was written in the passing of King Arthur. When Sir Bedivere called his um, most faithful knight, or King Arthur called his most faithful knight, Sir Bedivere, to his bed, this is what he said. Pray for my soul. More things are wrought by prayer than this world dreams of. Wherefore, let thy voice rise like a fountain for my soul, both day and night, for what are men? Better than sheep or goats that nourish a blind life within the brain. If knowing God, they lift not hands both for themselves and those who call them friends. What he's saying is this. Prayer distinguishes a man from a mule, a man from an animal. Just uh, how much better am I than the billy goat up here on the farm or uh, one of these Swiss cows? If I never look up, how much better off am I a hog as he eats his acorns under the tree and never looks up to see where they come from? Fact is, a hog has his ears so arranged over his eyes that he's just not built to look up. Most people are built to look up, but they won't. I'm challenging my people with this text today, pray without ceasing. I believe that that's the prayer program of the Bible. It's just unceasing. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. The disciples came to Jesus after, no doubt, they'd heard him speak. Now, I wanted you just to hear that he doesn't go back and address that. He doesn't clarify it. He doesn't explain it. He just throws out the statement, basically, hey, moms, if you cease to pray... Your kids are going to cease to live for Christ. And then he just, boom, now we're up to King Arthur. And then uh, I, it's, I I don't know what you do. Oh, and then you get throw, told that basically if you were a prayer warrior and you've stopped being a prayer warrior, you're, li you're living in sin. He doesn't articulate, quantify, qualify exactly, again, what that looks like. This is, uh, this is like just heaping guilt upon you. So when it comes to prayer, I'm just curious. Is it a source of great comfort and privilege and honor and joy? Or is it a source of guilt, shame, humiliation because you know you never pray enough? Is it a source of frustration because you don't, you don't know? Is it, is it like, uh, I think it's in the book of Job. I think it's in the book of Job. Let me, I believe it's in the book of Job. Uh, hang on, let me look here. I believe it's Job 21.15. I believe it's Job 21.15. Job is, you know, putting forth some of his <laughs> frustration and difficulty. And I love, I think it's Job 21.15. It reads like this. This is from the King James. What is the Almighty that we, that we should serve him 
And what profit should we have if we pray unto him? It's almost like Job is like, what, what's the profit of praying to God? Now you could understand that Job may have kind of given up and at this point, but I do love, I, that's one of the reasons I love the Bible sometimes is because the people, we, we so romanticize them and almost try to clean them up, but they're very real people with flaws and sin and failure and struggles and doubt. And here's Job going, what profit is it to pray? What profit is it to pray? I think there's, I think prayer leads to a lot of frustration, a lot of discouragement, but I think it's a source of lots of guilt. Now, I'm not saying that we don't preach, pray without ceasing. I don't, I'm not saying that we don't preach that the Bible definitely calls us to prayer. I'm not saying we don't preach that, but I don't know how much blame you give someone like, hey, there's your child. They're not living for God. You didn't pray enough. Hey, 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 your neighbor over there is not living for God. You didn't pray enough. Hey, that person just died and wasn't a Christian. You didn't pray enough. Hey, you keep struggling with sin because you didn't pray enough. I mean, if you think about it, Christians love to go to that as the as the solution to fix everything. Whatever your problem is, you didn't pray enough. You didn't pray enough. And 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 some ways it takes it away from even being some a, a source of something. Good, it becomes like, oh no, I didn't pray enough. I, I did it wrong again. Oh, I'm in sin again. So what, what do you think? What do you think about Lester Roloff's comments on prayer there? I wish he would have given some some more context. He may later in the, in the sermon, again, that's called Pray Without Ceasing, Lester Roloff. I would challenge you to listen to the whole thing. See if, see if you think he clarifies it, doesn't clarify it. I mean, I love to point you to, to, to different things to get you involved. I don't like to just give you everything. So I, I was going to do this for a today's focus. I didn't do this for today's focus because it's eight o'clock at night. <laughs> okay. So today's focus, it would be this evening's focus. I could have, I could have done it that way, but um, there you have it. F- for this evening, even though this is not a, we'll call this just a devotional message for your devotional time this Saturday evening. You to think about prayer and just your your relationship with prayer, and how have you heard it preached, and what do you think about Lester Roloff and his comments there on prayer? You can email me newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. I do apologize for kind of the rough intro. I'm still getting used to uh, on the on the MacBook Pro. I gotta I gotta. I got to mute, I got to press a button in the software and press the button on the mic and I have to to, to mute everything and then I got to turn them both back on while I'm going live. So I'm sitting there trying to do all of that while we're going. It, yeah, I, 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 I've got to get it down a little bit better. So if the, if the intro was a little rough, I do apologize. All right. And I also realized the microphone is so sensitive on the MacBook Pro. Like, man, you can hear every sound. Like, if I'm moving around on the chair, you can hear like if, if pencils rolling. If you hear paper, like it picks up everything, like everything. And I'll go back and listen. I'm like, man, there was, I, I could used to make all kinds of sounds and it didn't matter. But now it's like I'm afraid to move. I'm like, I, okay, don't breathe. Because even if I breathe, <laughs> it picks it up. It, it's like, it's crazy. All right. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Love to get your thoughts on prayer. Everyone have a great evening. Um, I think we're going to do, we got I think we're going to do some more live broadcast. I don't know. I don't know. I'm conflicted. We will see. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great evening.
God bless.